What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 306. I'm here again. My name is Steve, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, and they are, as always, are... Ron. And John. <laughs> always in that order. Always in that order as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I, I imagine that people that listen to our podcast on a regular basis, like, they just kind of go along with that every time. Like, they just yeah. try to time it perfectly you know what, what I mean? Like, cause some, sometimes you jump the gun and sometimes you hesitate. It's like you're keeping them guessing, Ronald. Like, you're like, this I don't know. True. Gotta not let them, uh, what do you call it? Like, guess or, 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 or forecast when I'm going to drop in with my name. I like it. You think you if know we the way that um, go, go people listen to the Pink Floyd album and they time it with certain right. movies? I like um, to well, compare I've, the two. You know. Yeah. I've heard that a lot of people, and I don't know why, but it's that there's an Ugly Kid Joe album that people like to play. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I have no idea why they chose that band, uh, but... What, what is it? Is it? It's not Star Wars, is it, from Pink Floyd? Somebody told me... Wizard you know what? I think it's I, every I, movie. I mean, I've heard several, but Pink Floyd and Wizard of Oz was the first one. Wizard of Oz, okay. Yeah. I, I, I actually saw a fan edit that had Pink Floyd mixed with it. It was it's really cool. I've been getting into fan edits a lot. Like, especially over the pandemic, people are just yeah. sitting at home making cool edits. They stuff. got time to do it. They have, yeah. they have and, so you much know, stuff. Apparently, Topher Grace has a lot of time to do it because he does He does a What's lot of them. Thing? Have you, yeah, it's like, it's like his thing. What? Yeah, he's done like, what, The Hobbit? He did The Hobbit, right? And then... Yeah. No, I didn't know that, man. He's done another one. Um, the, fan, the Phantom Menace or maybe Phantom the Menace. prequels or something. But yeah, he did. He yeah. was famous for doing sort of a... He met, like a maybe the, the prequels, yeah. Like a story edit that, I mean, you know, fixed the quote-unquote problems of the prequels. Right, 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 right. I didn't know that, man. Yeah, yeah. They're really, really pretty interesting. Um, wow. I was going to say, fun story, or fun fact, rather. Ugly Kid Joe was an opening band of the first concert i ever went to first, really? what was what was the first headliner? real first real concert like uh def leppard ah perfect tells you everything <laughs> you need to know about me right there yeah right. <laughs> uh yeah i Mary gotta know Weather which band were you there for though were, were you were you there for ugly kid joe or were you there for def leppard like who were you more invested you know it's in? funny i was definitely there for def leppard like because we had the shirts like we were i still am i i really like def leppard um but it was a bonus though, because I feel like at a special time in in that early part of the '90s, like Ugly Kid Joe had that one massive hit, like that hit everything say, about you. It was you. during the 20 minutes yeah. that they were yeah. famous. <laughs> yeah, they had that huge like hate everything about you or whatever. It's I can't remember the real name of it, but they had that, that one yeah. that one big smash. Um, yeah, but that was a uh, first concert. Yeah. Meriwether Post Pavilion here in Baltimore or Columbia. Oh boy, good times. <laughs> good times. History, memory lane. Um, yeah. So we're going to do it a little differently on this week's episode. We, we haven't done a Marvel Schmarvel in a few weeks. Multiple reasons, just like you know, people we got vacations going on. We just got people falling behind, myself included. Just catching up, and I, mean, I think we're on the same page now. But because of the way the timing all works out especially with Black Widow coming out this week and us un, uh, being unable to see it before it released, we're going to kind of include a little bit of a recap catch-up of Loki uh, on this episode and get back to Marvel Schmarvel next week, um, you know, when Loki wraps its season up and we'll have seen Black Widow by then. 
So we'll talk about all that next week. But in the uh, spirit of a catch-up episode, which is what this one is, uh, we're going to take the opportunity to kind of get caught up a little bit and talk a little Loki. I guess it's episodes three, four, five is kind of where we're at uh, in terms of kind of getting up to speed. So I guess before we go into these three episodes, where we left off, I feel like, and where I've followed you, Ronald, on your social media platforms, Mm -hmm. when I last saw... You were you were uh, on the negative end of the spectrum so of negative. the pod of the yeah. pod crew here. Yeah, and I right. think John and I were on the positive. I don't know how far along it. Yeah, but I've seen some I've seen some posts, some uh, some Facebook posts, tweets, Instagram, whatever you're doing. I know I've seen them, mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to take your advice. I'm not going to try to convince you um, to like the show <laughs> or that yeah. it's a good show, but I want you to talk about where you were. Sure. I guess the last time Marvel Schmarvel stopped, and I guess where we're at now, at least at the end of episode five, where are you with sure. this show? Okay. At so- the end of episode two, by the way, Ronald, you had just talked to us about how you thought that episode two took about twice as long as it needed to yes. to, to to give us what it gave us. And yeah, then we yeah. went into episode three, and, and we managed to talk before that. But yeah, we haven't talked since then. So, yeah. so t- t- take us on your three, oh, four, God. five journey with Loki. Okay. Yeah, where are we at? Yeah, so basically, I I started off with a bad taste in my mouth, man. Um, This one of my issues was that I just needed a story that felt like, okay, so I guess when I start from the beginning, some of my love for Loki's kind of come off the heels of um, when the movie started to get a little more popular, I guess, Loki and Avengers, and then... Loki and Ragnarok and, you know, these versions of him that have kind of gone through some people with some comedic chops. So I had expectations for this, not that I wanted this thing to be exactly like that, but I wanted a story to be told. I I think that's what I've been wanting. And I still don't feel like I've I've had a story told yet, but (laughs) the fifth one really did feel like the closest thing that I was going to get to that feeling of liking the show. I still don't really like it at all. I, I I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with like, I like Loki Loki's like one of my favorite, I'll I'll say second tier characters. I mean, let's say if like, if there's like the main Avengers, Loki is right there. And I think one of the things that makes him, it's like sly and cool and funny and he is coming across in that that way in the show. But I feel like the story as a whole, I haven't had anybody been able to tell. I've been watching a lot of these summaries and he still don't seem to be able to tell me what, what sounds like a, a, a something heading towards a complete story as this ends. And I, I don't want it to necessarily tell an epic. Just tell me a complete story. And it doesn't it still doesn't feel like I'm going to get that. It doesn't feel like I don't I don't don't feel like that about this show. This it feels like it it missed me on a lot of levels still. But but the fifth one was so good. But that was it for me. So I'm 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 done with it. And where 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 so so just you're done. You're not going to watch the next one. (laughs) Uh, I'm definitely going to watch the next one, but. Um, so, so where you leave on five, like you're saying that was a better episode, but you it still was don't so- feel, you, you feel the same pretty much about the show as a whole, but like, yeah. what about the fifth episode worked more for you? Okay. So 
I had kind of in the past heard about Loki having multiple versions of himself, right? Something about seeing the characters together and feeling like this is a weird thing to think about. Like this is not as quite as literal as it's happened in this story, but I think that in our lives, we're like 50 people. You know, like, I feel like at some point we were like that tough kid that didn't take any shit. We were that little crocodile that was jumping on people. We were that big guy with the, we've all felt like that. And I didn't, I didn't feel up until that point, the emotional pull of how that felt. Like something about him being in a space with them and all of them were super charismatic, super funny. I really felt connected to that. I really felt like we all have kind of felt like, we're sitting in a room with 50 Steve's, 50 John's, 50 Ronald's and like, what have we been doing? What, you know, and how do we connect to each other? Yes. Yeah. That's something so poetic about that, that I've never seen in anything besides like multiplicity, maybe, uh, you know, like <laughs> it, 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 I, I'd never seen it. They're doing something with this episode that feels like, the, whoever was doing this episode, the other episodes didn't do this episode. <laughs> Almost like, you know how Marvel kind of will rotate directors or stuff like that? This feels like th- this feels like this cool pocket of an episode that I shocked the shit out of me, to be honest with you, man. I loved it. I really, it, I, it affected me. I kind of felt weepy at the end. And I don't know why I felt so weepy. Well, I wonder the whole team the whole time, isn't it? Or at least from yeah, it's, a directing it's, it's, standpoint, it's, I think it's the whole yeah, it's, the whole it's team, the same, the same creative group for the every episode. I do think they knew they were ramping it up for this episode, though. I mean, yeah. I think like a lot of TV seasons do that. Um, I think even Tom Hiddleston was saying episodes four and five are when it really kind of you know starts firing on all like, cylinders. Yeah. Um, I think every show almost now it's a cliche that the penultimate episode of whatever season you're looking at is right. the one where everything is almost like at its biggest. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I went on a similar trajectory as you though, Ronald, in the sense that going into episode three, I was really digging on the general vibe of the show, but I was ready to, I was like, I was like, now it needs to take off because they've set yeah. up this idea. And the only thing I really cared about was oh, the, the friendship between Mobius and Loki. But I thought the first two episodes did a good job of establishing that. And it gave me enough of those two actors together. And that's why I didn't mind them slowing it down like like it bothered you in episode two, because I think I was going, well, if this story's going to take off in this direction, well, we're not going to get a lot of Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston sparring. I'm glad they gave us as much of that as they did, you know. Yeah. But I kind of was at, was ready for something. And then episode three was actually when my interest flagged the most watching it. It wasn't like I wasn't enjoying it, and I was still kind yeah. of invested in seeing where it went. But episode three felt to me like the one where I wasn't ready for that much kind of sitting and chatting with Sylvie, the new character at that point, the new Loki, the female variant of Loki, um, or her, a character in her own right, but presented to us as sort of a female Loki at first. Um, and... I think I was thinking like I haven't they haven't bought me into this character yet. And it wasn't until episode five where she actually has a kind of nice conversation with Loki. At that moment I realized, oh, I kinda I guess I care about her now too. Like it they had they had built her up to the point where I saw the humor and the pathos in that character. Um but I thought that episode four did a lot to get me back into the kind of twists and turns of the story. But five is right. maybe one of the first episodes of any of these Marvel shows that you could say 
approaches like this is a great episode of television in, in my opinion i mean i was yeah. thinking back on all of them they've all had glimmers they've all had episodes you know falcon and winter soldier i'm not knocking the other shows i'm not one of those people who yeah. puts loki so far ahead of the other shows yeah. i think they've all had these moments of like excitement that we've all had about watching them and going what is this there's like a mystery element to wandavision and to loki and then with um you know up through uh, uh, U.S. agent murdering someone in the streets in Falcon and Winter Soldier, that really felt like it was going somewhere, too. But then yeah. in, the, in the later episodes, you realize that was really the big payoff of the whole season. Right, it was right. that moment. It never quite matched that. I think they've all had those those moments. This, to me, was the moment with this show where, like you said, Ronald, it tied it all together. This idea that, like, they've never hidden from us that Loki is not the smoothest operator. Like even when he's at his most successful, when you finally catch him, like in the first Avengers movie, when they finally catch him, the Hulk is able to just bang him around. He's not really a threat once his scheme is up and he yeah. can't resist scheming. He can't resist stabbing people in the back. He can't resist trying to put one more spin on a lie. And so he's kind of a weasel and he kind of likes it. And so of course, when he meets versions of himself, he would be sort of like it's like a wake up moment for him to, yeah. to to see what he is, and I thought those scenes were great. I thought Richard E. Grant. I mean, if you want to look at like the way he got used in Star Wars versus the way he got used in the MCU, this is a fucking great uh, character turn by Richard E. Grant in one episode um, yeah. versus having him as an Imperial in the last Star Wars movie and really not making an impression beyond just of an accent. Um, yeah. Uh, no, Alligator Loki was great. I love the moment. I love Owen Wilson and and, uh, and classic Loki, Richard E. Grant's character, talking about the nature of like the game within the game. And if the if the alligator is lying about being Loki, there's no evidence the alligator is actually even saying that it's Loki. But they actually say like if this alligator is lying about being Loki, then that makes him even more likely to be a Loki. I mean, I love that right, kind right, of logic. Right, yeah. Those characters, actors having fun with each other. To me, that felt like a real payoff of something that is maybe what you're not getting from the show. But for me, Ronald, that was the moment that I was like. You know, this would almost work as a movie, like as a Loki movie. You could yeah. almost do what they're doing to build up to these moments and and do and you know have the highs that they've had. But I do like some of the slow moments, and I do think there's a great moment where Owen Wilson's character shows back up. That felt like okay, if I was in a packed theater, that would have been a big moment. Yeah, um, you're kind of awesome. hoping it's him, and then it's him. I, th I thought all of that was really was really well handled. So, Steve, what 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 do you think? How are you feeling at the end of episode five? I'm loving it. I mean, honestly, like I, I did feel it slowed a little bit in episode three, kind of in line with what you guys have been saying. But um, I kind of almost felt like that was like a almost like a requirement to kind of give us the switch with Sylvie um, and also kind of go along with him to understand like what her role in all this was. And like just just really kind of how things look this, this whole idea of a, of a facade and like you know, playing a game and all this stuff. Like, I think it just kind of, I think it plays into the idea of what the TVA is doing to anybody that'll listen basically by force that like, this is what's happening. This is who you are. And like the idea of hearing something else and something that challenges that, you know, I think that that behind the curtain uh, moment worked really well when like, you know, you start to realize uh, what she knows and like what her role is and why she's maybe doing what she's doing. So, but once it gets to four and five, th those two really do feel like where it clicks. And and it really does feel like to me, even even where it even where it could possibly go with one only one episode left, I kind of can I have an idea of it, but like it does feel like the most complete to me, the most complete series so far that we've had, mm. like wherever it ends up, it does feel 
like the one that is most rooted in the MCU as we know it. Um, even though Falcon and Winter and Winter Soldier and WandaVision like have more like visible and tangible ties to what we've already seen, this one really does feel like um, you know, what he's carrying with him, you know, what we've seen through like, you know, him seeing his death and the Thanos scene and all that stuff. It's kind of pulling along what we know and what we've been through and like it feels like a projection into like what's going to come in the MCU more than the other two have to me. And I agree with what you said, John, I was going to say the same thing about episode five, which is that it is a, it is just a blanket great episode of TV. Like I feel like it's one of the best looking episodes of TV. I feel like probably, I mean, especially in the genre um, that there may be, you know what I mean? I feel like it's the one of all these so far that has even, you know, rivaled, the quality of what some of the MCU movies have been able to put on the screen. And, you know, the final 15 minutes of the episode, like is just works a hundred percent. Like the Richard E. Grant turn, you know, uh, Mobius is, you know, reappearance, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Loki and Sylvie working together in those final moments. Like there's a lot of just like real emotional scenes that really hit. And like, you know, I, I feel like I had a couple, two specific like goosebump moments in the final parts of this episode. And not to mention the score of this series is amazing. Yes. Oh my goodness. When we get the orchestral version of the opening theme in this episode, like it's been kind of synthesizer-y and retro, but when it's like, when you hear like the big version of it, yeah, that was, I like, I had to like comment to my family, like it's the theme. (laughs) It's the theme, you know? Look, I have my issue with the show, but that's just like, you can't argue that. Like this, this was, an incredible episode like right right you would even say like you know as, as a bubble yes. this is a bottle episode for you that was like i, t- I told works. you yeah. i told you how i felt yeah. about the show and yeah, this yeah, yeah. to me was almost a perfect episode it right. it tied everything in, in a cool way and you're right man the, the the it almost felt like you could feel that big cloud coming towards you like it, it was the menacing sa- noises and the sounds and the, the, it, seeing it attack the it was too much man it was great i was ready yeah. i'm yeah. like what the hell is next I'm, there's there's so much to really enjoy in the episode and and, yeah. and you know when you compare it to the other episodes and even i think your criticism is probably right and fair you know, with a couple of them where it kind of felt like it was taking a lot of time to do something that didn't need the time. Mm-hmm. You'd almost say like too much happens in this episode, but it didn't feel that way to me. Right. You know, like the idea, off things that had been set up. Right. Exactly. And you get to see more, you know, more of these Loki variants. And like, you know, you, you see that teaser image finally that like was all over, you know, the Internet when they started releasing stills from the show, you know, of Loki, like with his band of people or, like you see what that is and see how. Sort of insignificant it is. And yeah. I love thing. that version of Loki, though. Just the full know, smarmy sleazeball version. <laughs> know, you know, Tom Hiddleston know. Have, is, is having so much fun. But I also love that it's not all Tom Hiddleston. That's a brilliant yeah, thing they did yeah. was to say, no, That's we're not just going to stick. Because he could handle the different makeup and do great. But having it be. And also the, the way Richard E. Grant's character ties into the MCU mythos answers like a what if kind of question. Yeah. Um, of like, what would happen if Loki had tricked his way out of his death that we saw? Um, but I also. Also like the way that this show presented us at first with a Loki whose redemption arc from the later films had been reversed, or at least right. we're taking him back to a time before he'd gone on that redemption arc. And right. they've showed us how 
Loki kind of ends up on a weird redemption arc anyway. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't need villains to become heroes, but he's always been one of those villains who there's a sympathetic nature to the sort of like the, the son that, you know, the, the number two son or whatever, the, the one who's sure, like, sure, you know, sure. passed over for things and, you know, whatever you want to make of that. Loki seems pretty evil and deserving of like his reputation, but there is something fun about in getting into that character and really saying like, well, what does make this guy tick? I'm not that interested in that question of what makes Loki Loki. Like in, in the, well, coming into the show, I didn't really care that much about that. And I really yeah. think it was in the episode four or five when you got into the real story that I started yeah. going, okay, I actually now feel the way this show is beyond just the the elements that came early that you talk about, Steve, that were so effective of him watching the scenes from the movies we've right. seen of what happened to him later. Um, and if people don't know what we're talking about, I'm sure the show sounds confusing as all hell. Um, <laughs> but Steve, you were talking about something. I think that that connection to the MCU, I think it's also, though, this is the first show they've had where I thought, okay, there's a status quo that I can imagine at the end of the next episode that they could get to that would be like a setup for another season in a way that the other shows haven't quite been yeah. exactly, where it's like, I could see this going forward with this new understanding of Loki as this guy who understands this, you know, sitting outside time and going around and doing stuff. That sounds like a fun place to take the character. But um, I also think what makes it really interesting is how separate, right now, it could go on for seasons and be completely separate from the MCU movies. It exists in yeah. this weird other world that we don't even know when we don't even know if 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 this is all hundreds or thousands of years in the future or something like that we don't know any of that yet we don't know the you know right. what i mean we don't know so there is something kind of fun about both how connected this is that gives it weight but also it's like how separate it is in terms of where it could go next now there are connections in this show to characters that people expect to see popping up in the in the upcoming marvel movies and there's a lot of talk about a certain character popping up as the sort of man behind the curtain uh, that we surely will meet in the next episode, or the being behind the curtain uh, that yes, is like behind so. behind all this. Yeah. Well, I I have I, that was a question I wanted to talk about with you guys. I'm very interested in like there seems to be at this point it, for it to really be dramatically satisfying, it would have to be something set up on the show. It couldn't be something that was just there to appeal to comic book fans and people who know rumors and stuff. You can't just say, oh, this is, it's actually Zondar and show some character. I don't think that feels like this show. It has to be yeah. connected to this show. So I feel like, to me, there's a high probability that it's a Loki variant behind all of this. Oh. Um, uh, rather than, because I don't know that seeing like, you know, the villain from the the next Ant-Man movie or whatever the yeah. rumors are, like, I don't know that that sounds like a, a satisfying end to this story. This It feels more cohesive to say that would answer this other question of like, well, what's the worst version yeah. uh, of, of this guy? But I don't know. I didn't know what you guys thought. Like, who do you expect to see in the castle? Uh, that kind of seems like that's the big question going into next week. Um, so Google's character, Google, yeah, is supposedly role. in the world. This character, some, she's connected somehow, to the villain. I keep hinting at, yes, but I, I don't know. The, Should we just say his name? <laughs> yeah, sure. You Kang, wanna... Kang the Conqueror. He's Kang the, the rumored. He, he's he's the villain of the next Ant Man movie, and he's very connected to time shenanigans. And yeah. Ravana Renslayer is like his lover, or sometimes lover, or one time lover in the comics. So like her character could easily be a front for him or someone who's looking That's for what him I was or something. And Jonathan Majors has been cast and we know he's out there and they've promised big cameos. So it could happen, but I'm just wondering like how satisfying would that be to the end, to end this season by saying, Oh gosh, look, it's a new character that we've never heard anything about, you know, 
Does that feel like what the show is headed towards? Or does it feel like it's going more like Journey of the Soul? It's going to be all about Loki versus Loki or Loki meeting Loki, you know? Is, is it going to be one of those things like I've been there all along? Like he's just going to be in the office, like slightly to the side of someone else. And you just yeah, right. He's a high. I, I yeah. wouldn't mind that. I, I actually wouldn't mind that at all. But is it yeah, going to be I, a Mobius variant? You know, <laughs> like what's it going to? Oh, I just feel like it has be... to be something that we care about from this show. But, you know, yeah. they might do that. They, they've resisted that with all of these shows. They've resisted bringing yeah. in that crazy person in the last episode. That would be the, you know, the the fan fan casting fantasy cameo. But I didn't know if yeah. you guys had any thoughts about that or had Steve, you're the least comic booky of us. Had yeah. you given any thought to like who it could be or what that would represent? Not really. I mean, I'd be, I mean, yeah. I've seen the rumors like you're talking about some other names that have, have come up in a couple articles that I've read, but, and also the idea of another Loki variant. But um, I, I personally would, would, would prefer it to be a different character than another local Loki variant. Cause I feel like, I kind of feel like at this point, to me at least, that that idea feels a little uh, exercised. You know, like I feel like I, I don't want to. I don't know that I want to see more, and even so, the biggest uh, maybe next villain or whatever. This, I don't know. I, I just like the idea, like of 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 these the times and the multiverses, or like these you know branches off. Like there's just a lot of things that kind of funnel into the idea of it being you know the the whole the king of it all and you know I've, I've read a bit to like learn more about that character and it does seem like that feels like a pretty logical um and smart way to end a show that you know is really coming out right when you know the next phase of the mcu movies is, is kind of getting going and like we've said before like marvel is like it's like full throttle from here out. Like, you know, we've been in a bit of a dry spell because of COVID and things are kind of bottlenecked a little bit. So I think it would be a pretty, pretty good flex to end this show, like with a big reveal or a big kind of setup, uh, you know, when we start to get into these other movies. Um, <clears throat> I guess I just don't want to see this show end in a way that sets up the future. I want it to end, like I want it to be its own story, maybe yeah. like a post credit scene where we see that Kang is, behind it or something but to me it feels like it will be not as interesting if we're hearing all about a new character and learning like if we're getting all the exposition and fighting about you know all that right. with a new character in one week but if you know if they if it's a if it's a great hour that feels as cinematic as this last week maybe they can do enough that it doesn't it won't yeah. feel kind of random and sudden because i just don't know that w they could say it's jesus christ and i just don't think it would have dramatic impact right now <laughs> because they haven't set up a story about that you know what right, i mean right, right. I, I don't, but, but I don't feel like I need that though. Like, I feel like, I feel like I don't need the setup for like what they're trying to understand. You know, like the whole thing was like, you know, in episode four, when you realize that these, these like overseers were just like puppets, literally. Like, I feel like from that point on, it's like, you're just learn We're just learning as, as these characters are like, you know, I just feel like I don't, I don't know that I need the setup. Uh, going into the final episode to introduce like a big villain. You know what I mean? I feel like, especially if there's going to be more seasons of Loki, uh, even, even if there's not, you know, just kind of like, like you said before, knowing that that character, if, if it is him, in fact, you know, has a big role in the Ant-Man movie. And I'm sure there's going to be, you know, other, other pieces that are, you know, kind of laced through credit sequences and other movies or whatever. But I don't know. I kind of, I kind of, I guess, feel like the opposite. I kind of feel like 
I would like a mix up in the final episode to see something that shakes it up a little bit and is not something that I've been kind of fed information about over the past four or five episodes. But I mean, either way, I think they got to a point right now. I kind of went into the episode five thinking that there was two more episodes mm. and was, you know, quickly told by a friend like, oh, it's only one. So I was like, oh, that's a little worrisome. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> How can they, they did a lot. They, yeah. they did a lot in this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they accomplished so much in this episode. Um, like we fully understand what the void is, its purpose, how it functions, you know, the Eliath of it all. Like it, they literally have all these characters like dropping pieces and parcels that make this make so much sense in an hour and what, 50 minutes. So, I mean, now that they're through this thing and we're about to see what they're you know going to find, like, I feel like they could probably accomplish it in the next 50 to 60, but we'll see. I mean, I guess I just uh, worry about that. If people criticize that thing that the Marvel things only set up, they exist to set up the next thing and that something could be a complete story. And to me, it's like, if you were, if you were watching one movie and the villain, suddenly a brand new character showed up in the last 15 minutes to reveal to me, that just doesn't feel like it can be as dramatically satisfying as something that's, that's tied to what they've done before. And they haven't done a lot of like direct setting up of Kang, but there are clues that, I mean, again, the Ravana Rinsla, there's so many things that seem like they're leading up to that. So yeah, like I said, if, if it's as good as episode five, you know, it can, it can, it can be like a packed hour. Um, I don't know if it'll feel like it's the end of a story if they're setting up a villain who we know he can't beat though, because that villain has to be the, you know, intact for a future story. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that criticism's a little like like we're we're talking about like the MCU. Like they're not hiding the fact that everything sets up everything. So, you know, I just feel like, you know, worrying that its sole purpose is just to set something up for the next thing is fair, but I mean we've already talked a lot about, you know, this show and like what we've been at what what value has been added beyond just setting up uh whatever the next thing is going to be like whether it was what happened in wandavision that that journey she went on like there's so much character development in these series that we've never gotten from these characters in the movie so if the purpose of them is to at least in in, in the minimum to like develop the characters and if it sets up the next thing i mean personally i'm just like that's a win to me because I'm okay with it setting up stuff because I want to see how it continues. And I think Marvel is in no way hiding that or shying away from that. I mean, they come out and say multiple times, like you got to watch these shows to understand the MCU now. So that's like, they've already tipped the hat. Like that's what's up. Like you got to know what's going on in these shows to understand what happens in, I don't know with the next one, Spider-Man, I guess, you know, well, Eternals, I think Eternals is before Spider-Man, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited to see the finale, and I hope maybe by the time that airs, maybe Ronald will come around a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to do the convincing. It's not, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to no, show us. I, I, I don't. I, don't, I, don't I'm sure, I think. I think the reason this show works is that we don't typically try to convince each other of anything <laughs> on this show. Yeah. That's true. That's true. We sort of state our case. That's true. Uh, yeah. Bob Rose says we just pass the talking stick around on this show. <laughs> you know. right. But but no, I th- I think the fact that there's one episode left, it is hard to imagine like. 
whatever pace they're going at, like where that's going to end up. But after the pace of episode five, it does seem like maybe they've established that they can get through enough story that when it ends, it'll be, I guess we'll know at the end, are they directly setting up another season or are they trying to pretend this is the end of a story? Because they've kind of teased that they would do a second season. They haven't confirmed it with any of the shows. They've only really said that WandaVision was set up to be a one and done deal. They they kind of hinted, and then they announced Captain America 4. So, I mean, I, you know, this might be the first one that actually is intended to keep going. So that's another reason why it doesn't have to it doesn't have to resolve everything in one episode, if that's true. Do you guys want them to keep going? For Loki or just in general? Any, for any, the- any, well, I guess any even Captain would, America in the Winter Soldier now. Is yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it. I okay. it, the, the, the thing is something that Kevin Feige is presenting to us isn't as it seems and i can't figure out what it is i can't figure out if the tv shows are just a one run thing and that's it i think they are yeah it's it's starting to feel like that man it didn't feel like that before but as it goes on i'm like this isn't gonna last forever this isn't gonna be like a thing where it's always gonna be tv show and movie going hand in hand but this it's it's fun while it's lasting, man. It's it is really. I think cool. the shows are going to go on for a long time. I think it's just not necessarily going to be season two, season three of a lot of these shows because they've already announced like I mean. four, yeah. four or five yeah. more shows. So I think yeah. they're, they're going to keep them going. But yeah, will it be? You know, will they or will they just juggle them? You know, there'll be different permutations, things that happen in the movies or what. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm kind of watching this show, hoping that Loki, like, let's keep. I'm glad they've kept Thor out of Loki, and they can keep Loki out of Thor for a while. You know, they can like split split those things off. So if Loki does continue as a show, that's kind of where Loki, the character lives now, you know what I mean? Is on, is in that form of storytelling, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them if they are, especially teasing all this Ant-Man stuff to see Loki popping up in that, or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever place they like to do that. They have this cast of characters they can throw in. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. They they are sort of cagey about what they really intend to do, but a few of the shows do sound more like shows that could be ongoing series, like the She-Hulk show in particular is being constructed in a way that sounds very much like they're going for a sort of uh, case of the week kind of thing, um, which sounds more you know renewable. So right. Yeah, so we'll cool, see. Man. But but yeah, it's it's true. They haven't really... It doesn't seem like we're going to... I just wonder, are we going to get three or four series a year going forward like to connect yeah. every movie? Because it seems like they announced the the date for... Like today, they released a trailer and put out the date for uh, What If, the animated series that's coming in August. And that's like the yeah. next big MCU show. It's almost like, okay, that's very targeted with letting you know around the time that Loki's wrapping up and that Black Widow is out. Like, what's your next... Weekly dose, and then that's going to lead you into uh, Shang Chi, I guess. You know, uh, and then maybe after that, Hawkeye is being rumored for a fall release right now. So that show could get you into a turn. I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. have this way right now of, of keeping you on the drip. Uh, <laughs> so we'll <laughs> see. We'll see how long that lasts. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Geniuses. God. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. Oh, Feige. All right. So let's move off of Marvel. Uh, yes. Bye, move. Marvel. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a couple movies that we're going to mention this week. Um, I don't know. Have have all three of us seen any of the ones that we talked about prior? I've seen Fear Street. Okay. Hmm. Did you see Werewolves? Yep. Okay. okay. So we've John? all three seen those two. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. So, I guess, John, you want to talk about the one that you saw first uh, before we get into it? Because since we could all talk about the other two. 
collectively. Oh, Summer of Love? Yeah. Or Summer uh, of Soul? Summer of Soul, <laughs> yeah. The opposite of the Summer of Love. I mean, that's kind of what the that's kind of what the documentary <laughs> is sort of doing. It's giving you this... Um, it's giving you this sort of alternate uh, music story from the summer of 69 that isn't Woodstock. You know, this, we've right, heard about right. Woodstock. We've heard about the Summer of Love. This is the Summer of Soul. Uh, this is a documentary that is directed by, uh, you know, I think one of those guys that everybody likes. Am I right about this? <laughs> Questlove? Is he yeah, just one of those yeah. guys? Um, but Questlove, uh, Amir Questlove Thompson, it is about the 1969 uh, Harlem Cultural Festival, which was this amazing music festival that raged over different weekends through July, I believe, of 1969, and just had amazing names. I, I, I guess I'm tempted to rattle some off, but I also think watching the documentary part of the fun is like seeing mm. who all was there and seeing what okay. they did. But the, but the movie opens with, with Stevie Wonder, in 1969, at the exact point where he's kind of like, he's going from like child prodigy Steve, Stevie Wonder to like soul mastermind genius yeah. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. And you see sort of almost, it's like an onstage transformation, but seeing the way he wow. cl- kind of captures the crowd in those early moments. But um, no, I mean, I, I mean the, the premise behind this documentary is that they, they shot the, the shit out of it. I mean, it's well shot. It's well recorded. And the footage just sat there for 50 years or however long. Oh, and my God. I guess God. this is the first time someone has taken it and brought it out. And wow. they do get a little bit into that in the doc. They get into, like, the cultural and significant, the, how important this was for the people that were there. And you have a lot of attendees saying that this was the first time they looked around and saw, like, a sea of, of black and brown people, happy and joyous, you know, that, like, growing up in Harlem or whatever. You, 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 ha- you knew that was a thriving scene, but it was the first time people saw this kind of, like, on mass, uh, positive, uh, experience, you know? So I don't know, there's, there's a lot of that that makes it moving. And they talk a little bit about how one of the days of the festival coincided with the moon landing. And there's like a big, there's all this footage of white people talking about how significant the moon landing is and cut intercut (laughs) with people at the festival saying, uh, there's starving, there's starving people everywhere. You know, why are we spending money on this moon thing? So, I mean, it's interesting. They do get the social critique in there. It is very, very wise and sly in that way and very impactful and does have a few real gut punches, Mm. but most of it is about the joy of the music and if you're a creative person this movie will i think emotionally affect you because i mean yeah okay gladys knight and the pips um you know uh, i already mentioned stevie wonder uh mm. sly and the family stone i mean it's like people that are at the top of creative expression right, forever right. nina simone okay i've rattled off too many people i don't want to spoil <laughs> this movie but i mean it's got like new performance footage from those people mixed in with people wow. talking mixed in with some historical context it's made with a lot of care and the only thing I would say, it's the similar thing I would say about that Sparks documentary that came out recently, where when you're being that complete and you're kind of going into like a list of things at some point, there is a little bit of fatigue that sets in in a two-hour documentary or two-hour-plus documentary, as the Sparks documentary was, where you mm. go, oh, I kind of understand the rhythm of this, and I know that they've got to get me through the next 10 years or the next whatever. Right. And in this, it's like, I know they're going to get me through the next two or three acts, and we're going to spend kind of equal time on all the acts. So it does right. have like a rhythm to it that might lull you in or out. I don't know, maybe people would watch it in one sitting. I, I was pretty enraptured by it, but I also did kind of, I guess I, you know, I'll admit this. I got up and moved around a little. It's that kind of really? thing. The music is in, it's incredible music. I mean, it really is like if you make if you make art, this is art. This is like people at, at a moment when it was like such an explosion of the reasons behind the music and the context of the music and the intended audience for the music. It was all coming together at this festival, and this documentary really captures the just all the 
uh, humanity on display. And it, and it, you know, there's little to no ugliness, which is for a documentary about a gathering of black people in 1969. That's nice to, nice to have that, you know, to have like, yeah, a, yeah. That, you know, there's no, it's not connected directly to any great tragedy. So in that sense, yeah, I, I mean, wow. I think you've probably seen a lot of people talking about just the similar things. This is kind of a life affirming, uh, you know, thing. And, yeah. and I will say one more time, great, great music. I'm sure there'll be a, a soundtrack album or something. You know, I'm sure this is going to be heavily like brought That's out cool. and processed now. It's a little bit like there's all these little pieces of history that we should have been talking about all this time yeah. that we're discovering now. And, uh, this is another one. This is, but it's like the, 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 the nice version of something from history that we should have been talking about for 50 yeah. years. Oh man. So it's funny. Cause Questlove has like an encyclopedic sort of memory of music and mm -hmm. only he would know about this footage and would want to <laughs> do something with it. You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I was a big fan. He had a kind of short lived podcast that's kind of still around that he does from time to time. And it's like talking to Tarantino about movies. It's like you, you he see, he sees, a, a corner of a of a factoid and he knows under that is a random fact that leads to another fact that leads to another fact so i cannot wait to see this movie i'm, I'm glad you liked it so much it, it makes yeah, no, it makes great. me happy because i i trust your opinion on music stuff so mm -hmm. you know you telling me how you felt and get even getting up and dancing well, you could, you got a good sound system. You've said before you've got a pretty good sound system. I really feel yeah. like this movie might be great. I don't know. I'm I'm sure that that Questlove tried to you know make sure that that part of it is sound. Oh man! Um, but it sounded good on my just you know my my vanilla speakers here. So I'm okay. sure. That's yeah. exciting, man. And that's one that's in theaters and Hulu, right? Right. I saw it on Hulu, but it would I I I know a couple of people that have seen it locally, and I. I mean, shit. This is one. There's a lot of movies right now in theaters that I'm like, okay, I'm getting you know, the <laughs> cinematic. Well, you know, movies that seem like they might be great. That movie Zola is one that I really want to see. And uh, I want to see that so and, bad. Uh, man. Um, I like uh, I like uh, Janixa Bravo. She's a yeah, great uh, yeah. director. Um, she made that movie Lemon. I think was the name of it with uh, with this Brett Gelman. Insane movie. <laughs> Are they still married? No, they're not together, but they, he, I read some recent interview with him because he's gotten kind of into fashion. Yeah. They were interviewing him for GQ about his style. And he was saying that she kind of, at one point when they were dating said to him, I'm having sex with you. So you can't wear those pants anymore. And like totally changed his <laughs> sense of style. But like he said that he, he still checks out, he st he'll still send a picture of his outfit to her, even though they're divorced. He'll, you know, she still is his like fashion advisor. Um, but he said some pretty, you know, he's an interesting weird guy. We don't need to, we don't need to get on a Brett uh, Gelman tangent. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's I like him a lot. Odd guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so see summer of soul. Okay. I would say so. I would say so. See Summer of Soul. <laughs> um, what's next? You want to talk about Fear Street? Ooh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say, so Fear Street, 1994, and we're going to talk about Werewolves Within, both movies that were available on like digital platforms this past Friday. Werewolves Within, I think it's also still in theaters. Yeah, but yes. um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, in general, though, I just want to say like, good weekend for uh like horror movies what a uh, weekend, first man. off yeah uh, very very excited going friday through sunday watching two horror movies that as we'll discuss i i kind of loved but uh let's start with fear street yeah i've we've i know i've mentioned it a few times in the podcast and we've talked about it briefly but this is this is netflix's uh kind of new approach to this kind of idea of having this three-part 
film series, mm-hmm. um, all directed by the same filmmaker and uh, all kind of based on, inspired by the Fear Street book series from R.L. Stein from the 90s. Um, very rated R, very gory, very much earning an R rating, which I think just off the jump, I, I, I like that immediately about it that it's not kind of like you know the goosebumps uh movies you know like that's definitely more kids skewed and even remember reading these books growing up like you know they definitely were a lot more intense and a little more for mature you know audience or teenagers at least at the time um so it's, it was really reassuring me personally to, to even see that before watching it that it was rated r for for everything that it is rated r for because it is really just kind of it sits nicely and I think the other two series that are going to be coming out over the next two weeks, uh, Friday on Netflix and over the next two weeks, they're all rated R and uh, it kind of settles nicely and just into just like a nice, this one specifically, the slasher, you know, genre of horror, a nice R rating um, can earn you. But yeah, Lee Janiak is the, the, the director of the three movies that are going to be coming out over the next three weeks. And most people probably know her from uh, the honeymoon film with uh, Rose Leslie from, from game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was okay. I didn't love that movie, but I, I, I'll just say, I really liked fear street uh, 94, 1994. So the first installment kind of just kind of lays the groundwork for this town uh, of, of shady side and, and, you know, a little bit of its history and like this idea of what is going to tie three separate movies together that take place at different periods in time going further and further back into history of this town. But, you know, as a movie of its own, I just kind of really enjoyed again, you know, playing into the R uh, rating kind of playing into a lot of the genre tropes of slasher movies, kind of like scream did and, you know, scream as its own thing. And, you know, you know how I feel about scream and, you know, even being excited for a new screen movie coming out next year, it just it just felt really good to see like a fun slasher flick that is also you know set in the '90s, which is you know my decade, and uh, of all things that I've I've loved growing up. But I just think they did a really great job, like kind of just throwing some characters out there, some that only are going to be around for one movie, and really yeah. most of them are only going to be around for one movie. Some characters may I think pop up obviously in the film that comes up. This Friday, uh, which takes place was it seventy eight or seventy six? Yeah. Uh, Fear Street, nineteen seventy seventy eight. But yeah, I don't know. They just did a really good job of like kind of throwing some kids out there, um, being very like kind of representative, but from ninety four, you know, kind of being like kind of you know challenging in some ways to the genre and kind of doing things a little differently than a lot of uh, films in the genre have done in the years past or even in recent years, you know, trying to do, do different things and, and kind of make it feel a little different. Um, there's obviously, I don't, I don't think any real uh, heavy tie-ins to the books, little things here and there and like nods and winks and whatever, but as a, its own thing, I just thought it was great. Actually. Um, I've watched it again since watching it on Friday night, just to kind of get ready for the one that comes out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, man. I just thought it was great. I, I, I love just the idea of how fast paced it is. There's not really a lot of time spent spinning wheels in this movie. And uh, you kind of just jump right into the idea of what's going on in this movie. There's not really a huge mystery yet to be solved as a standalone movie. Like we know what's happening probably within 30, 40 minutes. 
So I really thought that was a really fun take on uh, a slasher pick, but I'm really excited to see kind of what they do with the next two. And I hopefully it continues to, 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 to be as good as this one was for me, at least. What did you guys think? Um, so Aaron, I didn't know this, but Aaron read a lot of the fear street books and as we're watching it, she's like, I remember that shitty side yeah. instead of shady side. Yeah. And I was, yeah. She remembered a lot of that stuff. And um, I, I fucking love this movie. I don't know what it was, why it <laughs> hit me the way that it did. I think some of it was like, sometimes I feel like when horror films are being presented to me, it comes with too much baggage. It comes with too much like, Oh, you get yeah, I've seen this thing before. I've done, this is a book yeah. that's being, you know, that's that's being turned into a film in a really cool way. It also felt very timely. Like this is one of the few Netflix things that felt very like, I have to see this right now, or someone will tell me about <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. The, you, you, the you knew the pace at which it's coming out. You're like, well, yeah. I need to watch it. Might as well watch this now. Yeah. So it felt and like the conversation and slasher was films bigger. are kind of digestible, don't you think? Like they many of them are garbage. But yeah. You could just about put on a slasher yeah. film as easily as you could like a martial arts movie or yeah. you know what I mean? It's like you could kind of say, Well, I know what the formula is. Let's see what this one is. This felt like, you know, you always talk about Amblin'y. Something about yeah. the friends, man. The way that the friends were talking and getting along and fuck you, like, get out of here. all of it was felt yeah. so good. I felt real. I felt it felt You're the right. way that I felt when I was a teenager. You're right. Trying to trying to impress a girl or trying to avoid getting my ass kicked by. You know, it just it felt really good. It it just felt real and authentic and it it worked. And it was campy, but it felt like it was it was bringing you along on this taking somebody's bones and just putting them into the ground and be like, I'm sorry. It's so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, cur- I didn't mean to desecrate your grave. Yeah. Just little things that teenagers would have done. You know, I loved it, man. It was fun as shit. And that's good. One of the deaths was so Undeservedly, yeah. undeservedly brutal. It's like Undes- it tells you this movie's not messing around, you know. Yeah, There's like, one, and you know, if you've seen the movie, you know the one. There's really the on- only the one. <clears throat> oh, I loved it. Wow. I can't wait for the next one, man. God, that was yeah, a fun I th- movie. I think the way that it was R-rated was interesting too, because yeah. it feels like a PG-13 movie, and then it has these moments. It's like they almost deliberately made it feel sort of like it was a nicer, gentler movie than it is. Yeah. And then and then it gets much like if it's if it's got like an Amblin adventure kind of feel to it. I mean, I do think it actually feels very much like a Scream film. It almost feels like they were directly oh, totally. riffing on Scream. Yeah. Even the characters being kind of like slightly caricature like particular there's one kind of stoner dude character who is like the most caricaturish character in the in the movie and he comes in being that way but he also has moments of you know there's moments later where his humanity is a little bit more defined and you do see him as a real character but in the very early moments you're wondering like how much of a spoof is this almost of of yeah. of of That's specifically so scream even down to the mask that the killer's wearing it feels like it's very much trying to make us think of that but it goes in a different direction it's not that meta direction it's it's more, it's got this, I mean, I, the one thing I sensed, not having read the Fear Street books, but knowing about them and knowing the tone of them, I thought, oh, there must be names and elements and and story details that are being piled into this story, because it does feel like it's a witch story, supernatural thing, 
sitting on top of a slasher idea. And those two ideas don't necessarily coexist that easily in your head, but the movie manages to do both things pretty, pretty, you know... It's a, it's a short enough... I mean, it moves fast. It's like it's not asking you to, to sit there and take it too seriously. But like it manages to keep the sort of mystery of what's behind this going while you yeah. also have the slasher movie rhythm of every so often someone is dead, you know? And I think that we've talked about that before. With a certain kind of fun horror movie, a certain level of body count is just part of the... It's part of the rhythm of a movie. You you yeah. you know you've got to have fight scenes in an action movie. You've got to have bodies yeah. in a in a slasher. Um, I think right. particularly the opening scene of this movie was a really strong like little you know slasher short film. Like it was just a nice version, and it ends with a with a moment that's a bit of a twist on what you might expect from this type of movie because it seems like the killer's the killer's dead uh, right away, but that. That's the beginning of the movie, so you know that can't be <laughs> that can't be the end. Um, so I don't know. I think you know it's an interest. It's a new mythology, and I too, Steve, as a horror fan, horror buff, like you know, I enjoyed it enough to just be thinking like, what is this reveal going to be as they go back through time? Particularly, I think the 1978 like camp <laughs> slasher movie that they're doing next time that looks yeah. like a ton of fun, especially oh if it's God. made with the yeah. same aesthetic of as what we just saw. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting at least one unnecessarily brutal death in, <laughs> in the second one too so if that's their if that's what they're doing but yeah it's it, i think fun is the word i'm going to keep saying maybe even about the next movie we mentioned too um yeah. these movies are you know there's a they kind of carry you along and i do think particularly with um well i don't know i think with both of them they both seem like they would be fun to have seen them with an audience you know there would be it'd be fun to have felt those little moments rippling through a crowd even though fear street is netflix uh top to bottom yeah um it too feels like it would work in a theater yeah, absolutely yeah it's fun, man. And uh, I guess the last film. Uh, He's one of our guys, isn't he? Is, it feels strange. Say, think... It feels strange to say this, but I have to say it because a lot of people don't know. This is a movie based on a video game. I know, isn't that crazy? And, and I had to say, off top, this is the be- one of the best. It one is. Of the best. <laughs> I mean, look, there's Mortal Kombat that it, just came out is. in this. That's yeah. it. Like, this is the best video game movie I've seen this year, with the exception of Mortal Kombat. In my life, maybe. Yeah, definitely wow. in my life. Wow. Um, it's a... it's a. So Werewolves Within is the name of the video game, too, right? Yeah, I mean, Werewolves it, it, Within a, by Ubisoft. And it's a whodunit sort of small town mystery werewolves involved it is it's a crazy movie man <laughs> i so i what i really want to know is how you guys feel about this film overall um because I, I have some feelings about it but I, I i don't know how to quite articulate it what would you guys think about werewolves within January 1st? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think it lands everything it tries to do. Mm-hmm. I loved the tone and atmosphere of this. I love the central performance by Sam Richardson a lot. thought he was great, particularly at carrying the kind of aw shucks charm of this character. He keeps trying to have these big heroic moments where he gives kind of a speech. Yeah. And Sam Richardson gives it just the right sort of, do you know what I'm saying? He gives it just the right kind of lilt of a guy who thinks he's really putting this over. But even yeah. just the way this movie was lit, I liked the way this was filmed. I love this kind of snowbound 
uh, they're inside warm by the fire. It's orange inside. It's, it's white outside. You know, I love this kind of the look and feel of this. I love the, I thought it did a pretty good job of sustaining a, a certain kind of peril for the characters up through a certain point. I, again, I feel like it's one of those movies where it, maybe in the last 15, 20 minutes, it kind of, it kind of sh- shakes a little bit as far as what it's actually trying to do. And throughout mm. there are little tonal things or moments where maybe a character is too broad or a scene just doesn't, a joke doesn't go as, doesn't land as well as it could. And it, you feel mm. it. But I felt like the general tone and pace, I think this is, it reminded me of Krampus in that the cast is just full of these great, funny character actors that that can sell this material. Yeah. And people that are normally in just like comedies, it's fun to see them show up and be like, okay, I get to kill someone or I get to be killed or, you know, so it does have, it is a that horror comedy mix or, or thriller comedy mix or whatever you'd want to say. Um, you know, but it's got moments of shocking violence and a couple that really, that really did work for me of like, wow, there's one scene in particular where I think like three characters, no, maybe only two, go in such a quick succession that it's like, even the characters in the movie are standing there going like, wow, that well, that got crazy. You know? um, and again, Sam Richardson is perfect for that. The, the straight man to all of these, these like rednecks and, and, you know, weirdos in this town. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was really fun. I get, it really was only in, you know, when I checked to see how much longer was in the movie, um, that's always a sign, you know, when you're like, how much longer do I have? And yeah. I think that was about maybe 15 minutes before the end that I started to feel like, okay, when is this wrapping up? And then it does do a few more things, and I still had enjoyed a couple little beats. But, um, you know, it, not perfect, but I think earlier I said fun. I think this is one that, that uh, you know, definitely goes in the fun category for me. <clears throat> Steve? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. Um, so I, I, uh, we didn't really talk about it much in this podcast, but I also liked uh, Josh Rubin, the director. He had a movie come out earlier I guess it was in 2020 when it came out. Uh, yeah, 2020. Uh, Scare me. I don't. Did you, either of you see that? No, no, I didn't see. It, um, it was at one of the so. festivals uh, that we did last year. I didn't get to see it there, but I, I did see it once it came out on VOD. But uh, it was like kind of. He's actually in that movie with um, what is her name, Aya Cash and uh, Chris Red. And it's basically those three actors, and it's basically just you know people in a house during a power. Well, I remember that movie now. Yeah, I didn't stories. see it. Yeah. And uh, I like that movie quite a bit, but I think this is an improvement. And I don't know, um, probably maybe because there's more of a budget, more of like of a world being built. But I think, you know, the idea of like a, like a, a cast of characters built up of like really funny people being able to do some things that aren't always just funny, but when they're funny, it's really funny. Like I thought some scenes in this movie were really funny. And uh, yeah, we, Sam is is becoming like a uh, uh, a guy who the podcast is going to probably talk about in every episode because yeah. you know he's 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 be, he's been in so much recently and and I'm happy to see he's doing a lot more uh, stuff coming up here. But you know we talked about him when we mentioned the Tomorrow War, um, and he was also in Modoc, and uh, I think he was he's got that new uh, the Tim Robinson series uh, on Netflix that just dropped. I think it's second season. Yeah. Um, what is that called? I think you. Sh- I think you should, should leave. Leave, um, but yeah, he's everywhere, and I. And I he's love pitched it. himself you know, as I, Beast for the for the MCU's new X Men. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's all I think that would be great. I mean, I actually, he he could play that character really well. But no, he's he's also like a great. Just if you hear him in an interview or something, he's just one of those people that like. 
he seems to be the guy that you think he is. You know, he's very yeah. funny, but he's got, he's very level-headed, but very quick in that way, and just delivers these little asides that are just. Right. He's right. one of those great line deliverers. You know, we saw him on Veep. He felt like such a discovery when he was on Veep, and then Detroiters, uh, you know, uh, yeah. really cemented that impression. But he's, you know, every now and then one of those comedy actors just hits that spot where people start knowing. They can you they're like a pinch hitter, you Agreed. know. Like you know, yeah. you can bring them in. Tomorrow War was his kind of stepping up to the plate yeah. as like yeah. we need we need someone to deliver wisecracks in this movie and make people enjoy it, you know. So he's and great. he probably has maybe one of the best scenes in Tomorrow War, which I think I've already seen like memed all over Twitter, like the the shit 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 shit, shit, shit scene. <laughs> <laughs> and like and like Aaron and I were dying in that scene. So like that's what you would say. Yeah. That is what would happen. Yeah. And it goes on just long enough. But yeah, in this one, I think he's great in this movie. Um, Milana is also great uh, as like uh, I guess one of the female leads in the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. This is like the kind of same thing. Like it's kind of this horror comedy. It's kind of like a you know uh, I don't know Clue meets like a Fargo ish kind of like a werewolf thing going down. Like, I just love that idea um, of, of a balance of horror and comedy. And you know, like I said before, I think when it's, when it's funny, some of it is like really funny. Um, you know, the, the cast of characters that, you know, kind of are introduced through the town and that we kind of get to meet as, as he's meeting them as the new, you know, park ranger in town. Um, is really kind of a nice way of um, kind of spreading out these introductions, you know, like he's kind of learning more about the town as he learns more about the people of the town and the, the, the central conflict of what's kind of pitted some of these townsfolk against one another, which is basically mm -hmm. like the installation of this gas pipeline that's going to go into town or not go into town or through the town. Um, so it's, it's just a really interesting way of kind of building this tension among a town and among different types of people, classes of people, um, and then introduce the possibility of there being a werewolf. You know, it's just like a nice <laughs> monkey <laughs> wrench to throw into an already tense situation that just makes people turn on one another yeah. so quickly. You know, the moment what, that... What was the other werewolf movie that we saw recently that was almost a similar vein? Uh, like, what was that called? Yeah, it was really uh, good. Snow Hollow, Jim... The, the, yeah. Um, what was it called? The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Uh, yeah. Jim Cummings movie. Yeah, that was, yeah, the, that I mean, was also the, really good. But a similar thing of like taking yeah. human stuff and letting the horror be, uh, this is more full, this has more, this will satisfy you more if you're looking for the thriller, horror, gore elements yeah. than that movie yeah. would. But they both have yeah. like a character study with horror elements, but it's in this, it's in with murders in this snowy backdrop. And they both have that thing of like, for a comedy, the scare scenes get pretty, brutal or you know very close to a, what might happen in a in a horror film um uh, you know you were right. talking about him saying shit 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 in uh, tomorrow war there's a moment in this where he says what <laughs> that was just like yeah. such a great you know what i'm talking about yeah. yeah 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 yeah. and it made me think that had to have been a sam richardson kind of invention of like what to do in this moment of like how would this guy react to all this that has just happened and he, he's you know he like but again it's, it's as you said it's that human moment of like that's really maybe what you you would that you would be processing what had just happened if you were him at that moment. So it would be, uh, you know, believable and very funny in that, in that sense to do that. So, um, so yeah, Ronald, what you said, you had thoughts yeah, or misgivings or things to say. Like, what would be only, your... I really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was a fun movie. The only thing is when the comedic stuff didn't hit, 
it really didn't hit. It was like really, really bad, which was which was crazy that the swings felt so big. But I think that's kind of the chance that you take in a in a film like this. Like it, it's absurd. Like it, you know, you're, you're dealing with a pipeline and a werewolf and mm-hmm. all sorts of elements are crazy. So, you know, that's the only thing that bothered me a little bit. But because when it didn't hit, I was just like, "Is this taking me out of the film?" And then it got me back pretty quickly after that. But th- but there might be something about people in a town that think they're funny too. Like, yeah. so that's another thing. That's another thing I didn't consider until just now is the <laughs> idea that like some of those people were intentionally trying to be funny in the scenes where I felt like they fell kind of flat. And I feel like maybe that would happen for someone that's just kind of like, I think this is really funny. And you're like, that's, that's not funny at all. Especially when people are dying around us. Right. You're weird. Right. <laughs> You're weird. So, yeah, I thought it was solid, man. That's the only thing that bothered me. But, yeah, I, I would suggest this to anybody looking for a fun movie that, that won't. It's an easy you know, watch. Are, yeah, it's an easy watch. I, I don't feel beat up after I watch a movie like this. You know, I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's a. Uh... I guess this really and Fear Street, like, you know, it, they both kind of fall into this, uh, you know, just like pulling up a blanket and watching a horror movie kind of yes. thing, you know, yeah. especially probably, especially probably Werewolves Within just because of the nature of like where it takes place. Mm. But yeah, they're so easily digestible and just kind of, yeah, you know, like a fun watch, you know, yeah. one more for, you know, it has comedic beats to it than the other. But I just, you know, it, they both kind of fall in that lane for the type of horror that's not really challenging. It's not really, you know, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like it requires a lot of engagement, you know, I guess, yeah. um, mm-hmm. like some of the, uh, elevated horror may do or to challenge the viewer, you know, to kind of even stick with it. But yeah, like we've said about both these, they, they move so quickly and, you know, the pacing is there and the, and the, the runtime is there that benefit that kind of viewing, uh, experience. And you're right, John, like I, they're both movies that I would have, really enjoyed seeing in the theater uh uh for sure but i mean it was also nice to be able to be like hey literally <laughs> let's pull up a blanket and watch two yeah. really cool horror movies in one weekend which i don't get to say too often so i'll take it yeah um but yeah so fear street 94 is on netflix now by the time this episode comes out the second piece of this film series will be out on netflix which is fear street 1978 i think it is it may yeah. be 76 it's 78. Um, 78, sure. okay. Um, I think that's a nod to Halloween then, that it, they made it 78. Right, right. And then, um, yeah, the, the uh, Werewolf Within is uh, on video on demand, uh, which actually it came out early on that. Like, I think they, they had a kind of like a surprise release for that because it was supposed mm-hmm. to be delayed. But it's theatrical and video on demand. And um, I'm happy to see people posting about it because, like, even some random friends of mine have, like, found it. Uh, wow. which is really cool. Um, uh, so hopefully more people can find that movie. And if you have Netflix, definitely recommend checking out Fear Street, um, catching up. Ooh, anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap up? Or are we good? Yeah, I'm good. good. Okay. So again, next week, uh, we'll kind of do our traditional Marvel Schmarvel episode, get back to kind of wrapping up the season finale of Loki. And we'll, you know, finally get to talk about Black Widow. I mean, I'm like, let's just say it. I've been feeling it all day here. We were recording this on a Thursday. I was talking to my coworker. I'm just like, hey, 
Black Widow comes out tomorrow. It's like, yeah, it's finally, it's finally coming out. I'm very excited to see it. I can't wait to see yeah. it. Now that I it's here, to I've got, it. I'm starting to get those Marvel tingles again, you know, like yeah. a little bit yeah. of that. There's something new. Yeah. yeah. I want to try to see it in the theater. I mean, hopefully that works out for me. If not, I'm okay watching it at home, but it does feel like, like, like the, I don't know, like the dam has broken or something like, like this this Marvel MCU movie that we're all excited about is finally here. We could watch it. I'm sure we're going to enjoy it to some extent. And then we can move on with the rest of the MCU. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm going to watch all eight um, trailers first just to kind of get myself yeah, in the Catch mood. up. Make sure you memorize the order that yeah. all 17 posters right. came out. Yeah. All eight um, final trailers, I should say. And then, <clears throat> and then, and then we'll, we'll talk about that next week on Marvel Schmarvel, not on movies, movie. Uh, we'll we'll figure something out for next week. Uh, hopefully, we can kind of check in on the new Fear Street movie, um, and then yeah, we'll we'll see what next week brings. But thank you for listening. Moviesreview.com is the website. You can find all the episodes there. You can also find links to all of the most popular podcast platforms out there. If you'd rather subscribe to us on said platform, which would be awesome and really appreciative if you would do that uh, from all three of us. Um, and if you do subscribe to the podcast in any of those ways that allow you to leave a review or a star rating or even share it with a friend, family member, uh, or a foe, it, it doesn't matter. Just share it if you Enemies. can. Enemies. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We just want numbers. We don't care. Just don't just, care. just do it. It's all about the – yeah, like John said, it's numbers. Um, but, yeah, man, good talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check in next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.